Coming up on today's message with Pastor Johnny. Nobody else, because we did not earn this title as a child of God. We did not do any kind of work to do it. It doesn't matter whether we poured the concrete for the foundation of the church, whether or not we hammered every nail in ourselves, whether or not we put every pew or every chair together ourselves. Thank you for your work. God will honor your work, but we are all children of God. Amen. Let's get into the word. Our message today will come from 1 John the third chapter, I'll be reading the first through the seventh verse, way at the back of the Bible, first, second, third, John, Jude, and Revelation, uh, back of the New Testament, first John, third chapter, the first through the seventh verse. I'll be reading the New International Version. Let's see what the Word of God has to say for us today, amen? <clears throat> See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, he shall, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. God's word for God's people, and God's people said amen. Pray with me, church. Oh, Lord, our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. We thank you for this opportunity to gather once again and study your word. Lord God, I ask that I be in your will today. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, that I decrease so that you increase, and that people don't see me, but they see the cross and that they all be led to Jesus and his salvation through the pardoning of their sins. Lord God, forgive us for any sins we've committed against your divine majesty by word, thought, or deed, and help us to forgive others. Lord God, lead us not into temptation, but continue to deliver us from the evil one. For you are the king of glory. You are the Lord strong and mighty. You are the Lord mighty in battle, and it is in your son's precious, perfect, powerful name, Jesus the Christ, we pray. 
Amen. Uh, for the time we get to share together in the word, I would like to talk about the fact that love makes us family. Love makes us family. I remember growing up as a child and getting to visit my grandparents during the summer. I'd go to my mother's mother's house and I called her Grandma Bruce and I'd go to my father's mother's house and I'd call her Grandma Hargrave. And I can remember going to Freeport, Illinois and we'd go to the pizza place or the park or the gas station and uh, my grandmother would be talking to somebody and I'd be wondering who that was and she'd say, that's your cousin. And then we go somewhere else and uh, she would say, that's your cousin too. Got on the Junior Olympics track team and there were my cousins there and it seemed like I grew up thinking that I was related to almost everybody black in Freeport, Illinois and it's probably not far from the truth. And then I would go to Grandma Hargrave's house in Chicago, Illinois, and in the staircase in between the ground floor and the basement, there was this big poster board set up and it had squares stuck on the poster board and each one of those squares had names and numbers, names of the person, representing a person, and, and the numbers, what year they were born, and if they had passed away, what year they passed away. It was a family tree. And it had the children, the parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents, great-great-great-grandparents. I'm pretty sure it went all the way back to sharecropper slash slavery uh, in terms of who all was on that family tree. I remember that picture well. I would spend time looking at it, trying to learn all the names and see if I could put a, a face with that person. Uh, but whether I was at my Grandma Bruce's house or I was at my Grandma Hargrave's house, I learned something from both of them that it was important to know who your family was. We all have ways that we are able to identify people who are uh, in the same family. Uh, there are people who have the same shaped nose, same color eyes, uh, might be uh, musically talented, uh, that gets passed down, certain athletic ability gets passed down, grade of hair, hairlines, freckles, the list goes on and on. But there are ways that people, we all have, that we are able to identify who is related. There are ways we have that we can tell whether or not two people are in the same family. And fortunately or unfortunately, sometimes we can also tell who's not in the family. Uh, certain traits that we know a particular family will have and someone will be excluded for those reasons. There's always a way to tell. There's an example in scripture about identifying family. Uh, 
found in 1 John. Uh, 1 John is attributed to John the Elder, John the Disciple, John the Divine, John the, the, uh, the Evangelist. It, it, he has a lot of names, but there are five books that were attributed to him, the Gospel according to John, 1st, uh, 2nd, and 3rd John, and the Revelation uh, as well. But it's written, this book is written to a community. Some scholars say that when we look at 1 John, we are literally reading somebody else's mail. Uh, this book was written after the resurrection of Christ, and there are some people uh, who, who are sitting around after the resurrection doing nothing. I know that's a hard concept to imagine uh, church folk just kind of sitting around not doing anything, uh, but not only were they not doing anything while they were sitting around, there was apparently some, some turmoil in the community about deciding who was in and who was out. Can you imagine that, a church uh, not being very active, a community of believers not being very active, and while they're not being very active, trying to figure out a way to exclude people from their group that's not doing much anyway. Can you imagine not being active and when people trying to come in and find out about what's going on, you pushing them away? I know it's hard to think about, but maybe just imagine with me, just imagine with me that sort of situation. They were literally trying to decide who was a child of God and who was not. Not only were they doing that to their own, but there were people on the outside that may have heard about this man from Galilee and they were being pushed out too. How are you determining who is in the family and who is not? And so John wrote a letter to these people to let them know, you got it wrong. Number one, you should be doing some things right now instead of just waiting for Christ to return. You need to be productive in how you operate, but not only do you need to be productive in how you operate, you can't determine who's in and who is out. Those who are born of God are the children of God, created in God's image. Genesis 1 and 26 and 27 said, let us make man in our image. That man was mankind. At the beginning of the Gospel of John, we read that Jesus is the word made flesh, the perfect image of God, the one who's made known to the world. And John 1, uh, uh, 12 through 13 tells us that those who receive him have been given power to become the children of God, not who are born of blood or the will of flesh or the will of man, but of God. See, all of this is out of God's initiative. It's out of God's imagination, and it's through God's love. We are all children of God 
because God loves us. And because God loves us, we are all children of God. We are all children of God because God loves us. And because God loves us, we are all children of God. That is what makes us family. That is what brings us all in, not where you were born, not your hair color or your eye color or what kind of hair you have or your height or, or your talent or, or things that run together or your accent. None of that. That'll mean you may be a part of somebody's earthly family, but it's God's love that lets you be a part of the heavenly family. It doesn't matter what church you go to. We are all God's children because God loves us. And because God loves us, we are all God's children. First John one and three, uh, first John rather three and one says, see what great love the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. We are in no position to be excluding anybody else because we did not earn this title as a child of God. We did not do any kind of work to do it. It doesn't matter whether we poured the concrete for the foundation of the church, whether or not we hammered every nail in ourselves, whether or not we put every pew or every chair together ourselves. Thank you for your work. God will honor your work, but we are all children of God and we are created in God's image out of God's imagination and we have to be able to understand that because we are made in the image of God we can be able to see ourselves better than we've been we have to imagine something more we have to imagine more for ourselves. We can't just say that we are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loves us. We have to be willing to imagine that. We can't just say that we are the head and not the tail. We have to be able to imagine that. We can't say, just say that we are above and shall never be beneath. We have to be able to imagine that. Just like God has imagined for us. What we will has not been revealed. But we do know this. When it is revealed, we'll be just like him. And we will see him as he is. And all we have is this hope in him. And that hope in him will make us pure. In other words, the children of God have to be able to see, have to be able um, to imagine, have to be able to vision themselves that they can and will be like Jesus. Amen. If you can't see yourself being like Jesus, you won't be able to become like Jesus. That is what a Christian is, is one who follows Christ. How can you follow Christ if you can't even see yourself being like him? 
Uh, and we can't just sit around waiting for Christ's return. We can work while we wait. Yes. Christ beat sin, so Christ did the hard work. He beat death, hell, and the grave. Yes. He's yes. done the hard work. Now it's time for us to get in the game and do some work on our own. We can't just sit around waiting for Christ's return. Yes. It's time for us to act like it. Uh, the community is being encouraged in the text to dwell where they are, but prepare for Christ's return. And preparing for Christ's return does not mean just sitting around doing nothing. There is plenty of work to be done. If you can see yourself being like Jesus, then you can see somebody else being like Jesus. See, the people of God in 1 John uh, chapter 3, they were trying to exclude people out, trying to keep people out when they should have been bringing people in. And John was telling them, you've got it wrong. We are the children of God because God loves us. And we need to be able to let other people know that not only does God love us, but God loves them too. It says, dear friends, now we are children of God, but what we will be is not made known. But what we know is that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And, and it said in verse 1, at the, the B clause of it is that uh, the reason the world does not know us is because it did not know him. We are the only Bible some people will ever read. We are the only sermon some people may ever hear. What scriptures are you displaying to your community around you? What sermon are you preaching? And I'm not talking about what you tell them. Uh, the adage says that I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. Uh, so are we living a life that is worthy of God? Are we really acting like God loves us? And are we treating people like God loves them. The love of God makes us nothing less than the children of God. I am a child of God because God loves me. You are a child of God because God loves you. We all are children of God because God loves us. And it's not because of anything that we've done to earn it. It's because of grace. His love is bestowed upon us without us even knowing it. John Wesley called that kind of grace prevenient grace. Uh, the grace that covers us before we realize it and have enough sense to be covering ourselves. Uh, if I was to take a text about it, I would be in Jeremiah where he says, before you were in your mother, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. 
as that covering that we don't know about. And then the grace when we decide to finally stop running away and turn towards God, that justifying grace, that justification that's in that moment where things are aligned and we have turned to learn to receive Jesus Christ in the pardoning of our sins. And in that grace that continues to cover us as we work out our own salvation and live our life from day to day, that sanctifying grace. Yes, yes. But it's nothing we do to earn it. We get it because God loves us. God loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son to sacrifice himself for us, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But it's the love that makes us all family. We are in no position to be excluding anybody out. It is the love that makes us all family. And it is the love that will allow our family to expand. Whose love do we want to claim? I was sinking deep in sin, far from the distant shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry and from the waters lifted me. Now safe am I. Love lifted me. Love lifted me when nothing else would help. Love lifted me. That love that lifted me is the love that caused he who knew no sin to wrap himself up in flesh and live a life that we couldn't live and give himself up and die a death that we couldn't die and to become a sacrifice. It was love that held Christ on the cross. It was love that kept Christ while he was getting beaten on a, with a cat of nine tails. It was love that had him be quiet while he got arrested on trumped up charges. It was love that kept him on the cross when he could have called 10 thousand angels to wipe it all out. It was love that he gave. It was, love was the reason that he gave himself up willingly for us. And it was the power of God and love that he rose again on the third day. And it's that love that gives us strength day to day. It's that love that keeps us. It's that love that allows us to be in the family. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come. Pray with me, church. Oh, Lord, our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. We thank you for every good and perfect gift that comes from above. We thank you for the opportunity to gather once again in your name. We thank you for this word that went forth, those who have heard it and those who will hear it later. That if they don't know Jesus Christ and the pardoning of their sins, they'll want to get to know him and be like Nicodemus was in John 3, saying, what must I do to become saved? Allow this to be a seed that is planted in good soil and produces a great harvest, 30, 60, and 100 fold. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for watching this video. Please be sure to like comment, subscribe, and share. Don't forget to connect with me on social media, Pastor Johnny Simpson Jr. on Facebook, 
at Pastor Jason Jr. on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks again for watching and God bless.